obviously like when I said yes to Jesus, yeah. But there are moments in our life where we kind of cross these thresholds into more that God has for us. And the ultimate goal is God expanding the walls of our tent. You know, as we're obedient, as we're good stewards, however long that could take, it could take a year, it could take 10 years, it could take 30 years, but being a good steward with wherever you are at, being obedient to him, pressing in, grabbing a hold of whatever's at your disposal in that area, you have everything you need. Welcome to the Prophetic Justice Podcast, where we talk with people who love God and work across a variety of social justice professions. I'm Tatiana Burgum, and I'm on a mission to learn from my fellow peers in the field about how God speaks to them and the impact it has on their work. Let's take a look at social justice work through a supernatural lens. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Prophetic Justice Podcast. Today, I'm honored to be talking with Jeff Tharp. Jeff is a creative at heart with 15 years of experience in video production, editing, and design. He loves sharing all that he's learned with others. He currently co-produces and hosts the live stream, Elijah Fire. Five days a week, he's joined by a variety of guests as they discuss happenings in culture, prophecy, as well as the big issues of today, all with a biblical perspective. He's also spent time traveling the world as a short-term missionary through Youth with a Mission, also known as YWAM, where he aided in humanitarian efforts, evangelizing, and encouraging local Christians. Jeff's passion is in encouraging other creatives to walk with confidence and instill hope and joy for others. He is passionate about filmmaking and is an avid action figure and comic book collector. He currently resides in Salem, Oregon with his beautiful wife, Lauren, and their cat, Lulu. Thank you so much for being here, Jeff. Absolutely. It is an honor. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. Oh, man. And um, I also love that your cat's name is Lulu. Yes, it def- her her name is definitely Lulu, and she's We're- very po- poofy and fuzzy. <laughs> I was like, it sounds like a very fuzzy cat. I feel like yeah, anyone that a has very- a name like that. Yeah, except she's got fleas right now. So, well, she's Get out. she's hyper, like uh, not hyper. She's very allergic. Uh, allergic. She has got a big allergy, is what I'm trying to say to fleas, okay. and so one small bite kind of like she just gets super irritated. And so Aww. her, her tail is normally massive. That's like, we call it her pride and joy. Uh, <laughs> Cause she's like a squirrel, like yes. huge tail. Yes. And it's like half its size right now. Cause she'd Aww. been like kind of gnawing and biting. So it's growing back, but uh, you know, poor Lulu. She's, oh, that's uh, brutal. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then how long have you been in Oregon for? So I was born and raised in Oregon. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, 1985, uh, and, uh, yeah. So born and raised in, in Oregon, but I've moved all over the place. So my wife and I have both lived in the entirety of the West coast. So we lived in, we lived in LA, uh, and then we've lived in Washington and then now we're back in Oregon. We moved back to Oregon in 2014. Um, and we were living in Portland, the Portland area, and then, uh, moved back down to Salem, which is where I'm originally from back in 2016. And then we also did a, a very 
short stint in Kona, Hawaii. We lived there for uh, for over half a year. So it was like two two thirds of a year, I think is probably, yeah. That is a random leap. I feel like there's a story there. Right. I- it's like, you know, all these other places and then Hawaii for a little bit. Yeah. So. Dang. Out of all the places that you have lived, you have a favorite that you're just like, Oregon. I mean, aside I, from- I, 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 yeah, I love Oregon. Yeah. It's a beautiful state. There's a lot of diversity in terms of just landscape because you got the coast you've got the high desert you've got desert you've got mountains you've got like dense forests and valleys and um it's just there's a lot of variety here uh and we always were big lord of the rings fans and so growing up i always said you know they shot it in new zealand we always said if they ever don't shoot it in new zealand they could totally shoot it in oregon (laughs) it looks like middle earth yeah you could do like the amazon prime version and the next set could be yes that's awesome lauren also from there your wife no she's actually from washington so we met in ywam okay uh and that we met in 2008 and then we got married not right away uh we it's funny like we actually uh we we knew we were gonna get married like I knew, I just knew, it's annoying to hear this as a single person, <laughs> but you, yes. you just know. And and people are always like, "Oh, you'll know," and uh, and I was like, "That doesn't help me," but it's true. And so, like, yeah, I think two weeks into dating her, I I knew, and I would say around for her around the same time. But then we dated for two years, and then we were engaged for ten months. One of those years out of the two years of us dating. We, it was long distance. I was finishing up my commitment at the YOM base in Salem, and she was on staff down at the YOM base down in Los Angeles. So I called her every day. That's Didn't miss a day. Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so let's start at YWAM if we can. Yeah. What brought you into YWAM? Man, it kind of like is like a before and during kind of mixture. Um, I, I grew up with more of a more like a reformed theology. So like Lutheran, you know, not operating in gifts at all. Uh, very, I'm sorry for any Lutherans listening, very stale. Um, I can understand. I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. You know, and, and then I, uh, so that was like middle school to high school around that time. And, you know, my dad had remarried and, and, uh, and so I think his, his, my stepmom was Lutheran. She grew up Lutheran. So we just went to her church and, and so yeah. we did that for a while and, and then eventually just stopped going to church. Uh, and so for me, it was like, you know, there's a big transition in terms of like, okay, well, I say I'm a Christian. I don't live like one. And then it, I, I hit 18 and then just, that's when I say became a Christian where I actually started like living out a Christian walk. And um, started going to youth group by myself at a church, um, a Calvary Chapel, and which was a little bit more on the charismatic side compared to Lutheran. I wouldn't call, you know, Calvary Chapel charismatic, but compared compared to, to yes, I just think I felt the freedom and license to pursue the Lord on on a deep level with reckless abandon, much to the dismay I think sometimes of my youth pastor because. We were my my brother and myself and some of our friends were having like wild encounters with the Lord that they don't teach about at Calvary Chapel. And so, you know, it was just kind of funny, like just seeing that progression. But 
did all of your siblings feel that like were they all kind of feeling the same way you said you had a brother was it that also went with you started going with you were you all kind of in the same boat growing up like well we aren't really experiencing my sister wasn't my sister was the one that she would go to she would go to youth group she went to a different church but uh, she would go to youth group with her friends and go to conferences and acquire the fire, I think was like a big one. Yes, but I, don't know I if they remember still that do one. It, but, but they did it, did it in the early two thousands. I know. Um, and yeah. So she, she went to that and came home and broke all of her spice girls. Yeah. And we were like, what are you doing? Yeah. How dare you? I know it just, we just didn't get it at the time, but um, That's yeah. Awesome. And so, uh, you know, she was always someone and she would always pray for us. So I attribute kind of, me coming to the Lord and getting serious with the Lord a lot to my sister's prayers and her influence. Um, and then also, you know, I'm sure, you know, like my mom definitely prayed for us and shout out to all the moms out there, uh, praying for the kids. Um, yeah. And, and so I would say, you know, that she was always a constant in terms of, and she was actually the one that walked me through as a young kid. I think it was seven walked me through accepting Jesus into my heart, all that stuff okay. and the whole yeah. prayer. And I didn't know what I was praying, you know? Um, yeah. And so that was kind of the, the, the start of, of that. So when I hit 18, really, really got serious with the Lord and it was just like, yeah, I, I, I was fortunate. I always say to people, I was always fortunate that, you know, I didn't, I didn't mess around. I didn't party. I didn't do anything like that. Um, yeah. There was always this something inside me that was like, that's, that's wrong. Even though I wasn't living like a Christian, I didn't sound like a Christian, uh, had myself a potty mouth. <laughs> um, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, there was something inside me that was like, don't do those things. Mm-hmm. And all my friends, all my immediate friends, they were doing those things. And for the, you know, like I just, I started to alienate myself from them. And so I look at it now and I see, well, that was the Holy Spirit. Like that was God active in my life. And I listened, you know, and and that's the difference between me and some of my friends. Some of them, you know, grew up in Christian homes. Um, The difference is that I listened, you know, I don't look at it as anything special, you know, like, it's not like I, you know, was the chosen one or anything like that. And I, you know, maybe there's a, you know, obviously call calling, a calling a, I'm not Jesus, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah. I know that's a shock. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. So I, I look at it that way, but it's interesting because, you know what, I, I have to go back to when I was born um, because this is all kind of connected to to YWAM and not just YWAM, but the, yeah. the life I've lived and the decisions the Lord has led me to make. When I was born, I was born six weeks early and my lungs hadn't fully developed. Mm. And so yeah. my dad was holding me up in the window. My grandparents were down below and all of a sudden they take me out of my dad's hand hands and they go, something's wrong with him. We need to, we need to do something because I was turning blue. I wasn't mm-hmm. getting enough oxygen in my, my body. And so they had to put me in this incubator and all this stuff mm-hmm. and tubes and everything. And during that process, my dad was really anxious as a parent would be with their yeah. n- newborn son. Um, you know, in an incubator and yeah, and, that's terrifying. Yeah. And the future is uncertain. And, and my, my dad was praying and he heard the Lord say, I don't know if it was audibly uh, or not, but he said, I gave you my son. Now trust me with yours. 
And so my dad surrendered control of me to the Lord. And I think that that was something that was very significant um, in, in my life. And I attribute a lot of that to my dad having to fully surrender his control, you know, to me. And I think every parent has to do that. So it's not like, but I, I do think that there was something to that because once I came into adulthood, all the decisions the Lord had me make led me to make were outside of the normal culture of my family. And what I mean by that is that a lot of my family, God bless them, are very fear motivated. Um, even if they are Christians, they're very fear motivated, definitely kind of in line with, and I'm not speaking ill of any of my family members, but a lot of them have kind of just gone into like the status quo, just like normal day-to-day job, keep your head down, don't make waves. And God's like, I want you to go make waves. I want you to not keep your head down. I want you to go do so. So me going into missions was in a was a massive disruption to the culture of my family. And there were several other yeah. things. I'm kind of condensing for time, but there were several other things right out of high school, even in high school, but right out of high school that the Lord had me do that were met from met by my my parents with protest of like, no, you shouldn't do this and. And I had to really walk a fine line of learning how to honor my father and my mother, but also be obedient to what the Lord has asked me to do. And so even if it made me uncomfortable, right? Because I had a good relationship with my parents. It wasn't like I was, a, I was not a rebellious kid. Um, Did your dad ever connect the dots with that moment in the hospital with you to kind of where God was bringing you? Did he, do you know if he saw that, like, was he able to step back and kind of? I'm not sure. I just yeah. think that he realized very quickly over the course of a handful of years. All right. I need, cause he would always go once he saw me in that space, whatever I was doing, he would go, Jeff, I'm sorry. Mm. I can see now that this is exactly where God wants you to be. And I'm sorry yeah. for, you know, I, I'm sorry for despairing. Um, and that happened numerous times. And for me, it was never this, I just, God really cautioned me to, to guard my heart in those moments of like, don't do not harbor bitterness towards your dad. He's, he's operating from a place at, at, he loves you. He cares about you. He wants the best for you in his, in the way he knows. And so for me, it was never this like, ha, I'll show him. This is what really following God looks like. I, I never had a thought you like that because God his was heart. Yeah, and God yeah. was very stern with me of like, yeah. don't you don't you do the, <laughs> you the, honor your parents. Yeah, the way we are going, that has no no space. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. it actually is giving me like chills. I so with our daughter, we had a lot of health issues with her when she was in the womb, and then wow. her future was uncertain. And I heard wow. I was praying. I mean, nothing will make you pray as much as a parent as when your kid is sick. And so I can only imagine. We just, I mean, I would literally like, I remember at one point I was so desperate. We had set up the crib and I literally would like sit in her crib and just pray over the oh, crib, man. over my stomach. And I, at one point remember hearing name her Esther and I'll heal her. And Whoa. I had like um, two other names picked out that I love yeah. and Esther was not on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, but can we like, consider another name yeah is this is this negotiable <laughs> like, is this negotiable <laughs> yeah. and so i just kept hearing it name her esther you know over a period of a few months and so we did we named her esther and she is completely fine god has done an 
complete miracle in her life and she's not at all what any of the doctors thought she would be Come on. and so what you're saying though really gives me chills and also gives me hope because awesome. I think every parent fears um a little bit of like what like you can you can't your children are gonna do what they're gonna do as they right. get older I yeah. did what I was gonna do uh-huh. when I was a teenager <laughs> and so just to know though that there is a moment that moment that your dad had God kept you in the palm of his hand he kept his promise well and, and so I just, that's yeah. really beautiful well and the thing too about that is that my dad hasn't had the strongest walk with god and i think a lot of it comes from worthiness yeah not realizing not seeing himself the way that god sees him and i th- think that there's been a lot of areas of his life that he's viewed out as a failure and i'm like i look at my life and i just don't whatever it is, I don't look at even, even any hard work I've invested into my own profession, my own passions, the things that I know I'm called to like filmmaking, all of those things. I, yeah, there's, there is that element of putting in the work and refining yourself, training yourself up, conditioning yourself for whatever it is that God has put in front of you. But none of it would be possible without God making it possible. And I feel the same way about God, my dad yielding to the Lord. And it's like, even if, even if my dad has made mistakes, we all have, first of all, but, but I look at like, I just am so thankful that my dad surrendered, you know, to the Lord, not just because I'm alive, but I do think that my dad doing that has opened up some doors for me. Yeah. There was something in the spirit that happened in that moment and that stayed with you. So that's, that's so beautiful. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And and, um, kudos to your dad. I mean, real shout out. His name is Jeff too. Big shout out to Jeff. (laughs) Jeff senior way to go. (laughs) That's awesome. Wow. So, so that my other question was what brought you back to the church i mean was there a moment or was there anything specific that brought you back to god that brought you into like i'm gonna be a christian right like i haven't really done this thing yeah like what was that like so i um as any teen would be i was angsty and you know like i was a i was super shy which is strange for people who know me now because i'm very extroverted and outward processor and friendly and all these things but Amongst my friend group, I was a little bit more this way, but I, I think for me, there was a lot of, I always say Satan takes the opposite of, tries to make you believe the opposite of who you are. Cause while he isn't omnipotent, while he can't see God's entire grand plan, he has seen millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people. And he knows a certain type when he sees it. And so I think that there's a, okay, well, yeah, God. God's plan is this person, obviously this person, we can see it. He's got these types of angels around him. I don't know. Um, I, uh, you know, and if we can get this guy to keep his mouth shut and to stay quiet, yeah, that's really gonna, God hates, Satan hates God, you know, and that's why he's so after us being born in his image. It's a, the ultimate, like, yeah, it, it's. He hates us because he hates God, you know, Um, which to me is it makes me upset whenever I fall into believing lies because Satan doesn't care about me. He, he he's he, his eyes are fixed on God. I it's like someone who's trying to 
to to hurt someone, they just start grabbing things and, and throwing them at that person. We are those things that he's grabbing and throwing. He doesn't care about us. I don't I don't care about the stool's well-being when I'm throwing it at the whatever it is, right? Say a bear comes into your house and you're like trying to, you know. Uh so I, I'm not going like, oh, this, the the bear's well-being or the stool's well-being. No, I'm using that as not, yeah. Uh, so I, I think Satan sees us the same way. So when I really think about falling prey to lies, th- to me, that makes me more upset because I'm like, oh, like he didn't even care about me. So it would be even better for me to to defy that, to serve God and be used by God to storm the gates of hell. Because, yeah, it just to me, it's like, you know. Yeah. yeah and I think, more... too, like it's all in the identity piece, too. like. How many times, I mean, I think all of us experience this where we feel like this is just who I am as a person. Like, I'm just really sarcastic. Like, I've always have been. I've always been kind of a jerk (laughs) to other people. Whatever (laughs) it is, you're like, this is just who I am. I'm a grumpy person. But then you get to have, you get to know God and you you start to, uh, you know, get to see your reflection in his eyes. And he starts to peel away those, those things of like, no, you're actually not. I mean, yeah, you might have a good sense of humor, but you're not this hearted, hard-hearted, sarcastic. Right. Yeah. Person. Some people are just like, oh, I'm just a curmudge and that's who I am. Yes. And, like, and they're yes. believers. And I'm like, you know, yeah. not according to Galatians, the fruits of the spirit of love, yes. joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I don't see, I don't see curmudgeon anywhere in there, you know, like, I mean, even just those first three love, joy, peace, you know, like those are... I don't see, I don't see curmudgeon in there, you know? Uh, and look, it's, I think sometimes we can, some people can be a little bit more sardonic, a little bit more, you know, like, and, and I am very amused by those people and I can be myself. Uh, I can be a little spicy, uh, you know? So I, 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 but yeah. Um, but I do want to say uh, just to answer your question, cause I, I just get down rabbit trails, you know how it is, um, is that, I at the time was really angsty and and depressed and, and I remember feeling at the time I couldn't identify that it was God, but I felt this longing for something more. And then I remember my brother and my friend Ezra, who I was really close with. It was like my brother, myself, and my friend Ezra, kind of the three amigos. And we do everything together. And my brother's three years younger. Ezra is two years younger than me. And then I was two years older. So um, I was the oldest, but um, they had started going to a youth group. Ezra got invited by a friend. He went, he invited Eric and myself. My brother's name is Eric. And I was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Yeah. No. And, you know, you know, just like, no, I don't want to go to the thing with the youth group. But, but I think this happened two or three or four, maybe it was over the course of a month or two months. I can't remember, but. I started noticing a difference in my brother when he would come home. Really? Oh, wow. And I just remember being like, dude, that's it. That's it, dude. You know, because like I had tried reading my Bible, but whatever, maybe it was a translation was not, I was not vibing with the translation yes. or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, but um, I I remember going and it was just like, this is it. Like, this is, this is what I've been looking for. And so. I, what would happen to him? Like, what was his demeanor? Like, wh- I mean, to be that noticeable, I feel like 
there was something yeah, he was there. just like his countenance started changing like he was just joy more exuding joy and excitement and that's amazing you know uh you know and i had known him you know the, a different way obviously before he had started really going to the going to church and you know so it I, for me it was definitely that recognition yeah. of that you know and, and so, was he like trying to get you to go or was he just like you're gonna do your own thing and but yeah, you just noticed would, this personality shift yeah he would kind of go oh you should come okay. with me and i'd be like no yeah no i'm gonna sit here <laughs> and cool. listen to emo music yes. and be depressed and, you so know, 2000 no girls yeah. like me you know <laughs> but i won't talk to them so there's no way i could know you know yes. and so it's like yeah yeah um and so yeah so i think that was that was mostly it you know and then i think one time ezra had come over after youth group with eric and they were like talking and i saw both of them and i was just like dude like i just feel like i'm being left I'm out the, too uh, i have Anna, fomo yes. i've got total fomo you know like and so yeah it was like uh that's amazing yeah so that was that was really kind of the i guess the beginning and that was really the main shift for me and for me it was like Oh man, I just fell I just fell in love with God. I just like, oh man. And and it hasn't changed, you know. It's just like for me, it's and I would say like my brother and even my friend Ezra have kind of slipped away. My brother's slipped away quite a bit. Um, but but for me, it was just like I meant it when I said, and I just remember there was like this for me, what started the whole missions thing was actually. Again, this is all part of the, the missions thing. It's a kind of a interwoven story, but I remember it, we hit spring breaks. So this is what, like April of, of 2014. So I was a senior. So it was like, yeah, around April of 2014, spring break. And, mm -hmm. and we were going to go down to Mexico and we were going to go on this mission trip. And originally I wasn't going to go. And it was like, I think it was like two weeks away when I started going to, to youth group and the youth pastor, Noel, he's like, dude, you should come. I really think you should come. Uh, you know, we'll all make space for you and all this stuff. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll go. And I remember, and this is, I think the mark, I think this is like the mark of, of, of a yet another landmark moment for me. You know, like when the Israelites trust crossed the Jordan, they made the you know, memorial stones and remembrance. I call them like memorial stone moments, you know? And so for me, this is one. And I, God has actually strangely been really reminding me of this a lot over the past year, but I remember it was the last night. It was an amazing time. You know, we did a lot of, um, I think anytime you get out of your comfort zone and we're in a really impoverished area of like the Baja Peninsula. Life changing. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, I remember I was sitting there, I was sitting there and we had this bonfire and I remember I sat out just outside of the light. Um, of the bonfire and everybody's hanging out and talking, having a good time. And that's definitely warranted. Like, it's not like they were doing anything wrong. It was great. Um, but I just felt this longing. Like, I just need to go. I need to go after this mission trip. I'm just, I'm feeling a lot. I need to just go be with the Lord for a little bit. I remember I like, I said, I leaned against this tree and kind of squatted down and I could see the bonfire over there and everybody's laughing and having a good time. And I was just like, God, I am yours. And you don't really understand a prayer like that when you pray it, um, especially that young um, in the Lord. But I just was so earnest before him of like, I, I'm yours. And that's all I could keep saying. I'm, I'm yours. And I remember this kid from the local village came up to me. I still have this actually what he gave me, came up to me and he gave me this, like, there were these like little chip bags and there were these little like 
metal. Remember Pogs? Yes. Yeah. So it's sort of like Pogs, but it was like these little metal coins and it was from a chip bag. And I mean, these they're super poor. Yeah. And this kid, this little kid comes up to me and he puts it in my hand and he gives it to me. And I remember just being like, so taken aback, like this kid has absolutely nothing. And he gave me like, like one of the only things he has, you know, and I just, it, it, that was like what really changed me. Cause it wasn't about like getting anything, but the fact that like, it was like those two moments really like kind of burned into my, my brain or my spirit or whatever. And, um, and and I remember I could just like, I could, I just, I couldn't escape. Like I have to go do more. I have to like, God's calling me out there. Yeah. And so that was like 2004. And then, you know, I tried to go to college and, and um, I, I originally was going to go to community college, get my associates and then like go somewhere else. And then, you know, once I figured out where it was going to, where I was going to go. And I think I got, I got like two semesters in uh, quarters or whatever they call them. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you did a little college. (laughs) Yeah, I did a little, uh, enough to say I was there. Uh, and yeah. And, um, and I remember I would wake up in the middle of the night just with this insane hunger to be with the Lord. And I would just like get up and, and I think a lot of us get those moments where we wake up and you're like, Oh, I should spend time with God or like you feel his presence, but then you're like, but sleep is amazing. Yeah. And so, you know, I just, but I I've had a couple of moments, a couple of seasons like that in my life where I just wake up and I'm like, I, I don't need sleep. What I need is to be before the Lord, you know? And so I would do this and I would just get up in the middle of the night, I would journal and all this stuff. And I would just like hear God and, and, and just like, write, And I would just like, man, I feel like you're saying this right now about this thing and that thing. And again, I grew up in a, you know, a denomination, Luther, you know, Lutheran, that it was, that wasn't a thing. And then even in Calvary Chapel, that wasn't as much a thing. It, I mean, it's not that they would discourage the gifts, but they didn't encourage them, you know, like they didn't want things to get wild and crazy, yes. you know? Yeah. And so, but that was a, like, that's kind of the path that God had me go in. And yeah. So I remember I was working at a, I was working at the YMCA teaching cycling. I was like a spinning instructor. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I think this that. could be a whole separate podcast conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Was, yeah. We'll so let, I was doing, we'll just slide past that. Yeah, we'll just, yeah. So I was doing <laughs> that. And then, and then, um, that's when I started being like, man, I just feel like something's, I, I feel like I, something else is coming. Like I need to do this, nice. this other, I don't know what it is. And so then my brother-in-law at the time, he was just dating my sister. Um, he managed a Christian bookstore and he's like, Hey, do you want to work there for Christmas around Christmas? And just, you know, maybe see what's like next. And I was like, yeah, no, that's what it is. That's, that's the thing, you know? But then I started working there cause I was like, Oh, maybe it was just a job change. Maybe that's what it was. And so then I was like, but it never went away. And then I was like, yeah, that's around when I started getting up in the middle of the night and just like, I just pour of the scriptures with God and pray for hours. And, um, uh, and what did you feel was happening during this season? Like what internally, (laughs) or even with, do you still have the journals that you wrote in over that time frame? Mm -mm. Okay. Oh, that would be so interesting to go back and just 
see if something stuck out that you didn't see before. Yeah. But... Well, I just remember just an ache for his his presence. And I think I honestly think if I could just like kind of distill down what was happening, I may not have exact details. It would it would be nice if I still had them, honestly, but um but is really part of like part of my life's message, I think. And I'll kind of, I'll put a pin in that because we'll definitely revisit it um, later. I've got plenty of notes on it, but I was working at this Christian bookstore and these, uh, these people came in um, young people around my same age. Um, I was in my, I think it was 20. I was 20 at the time. So they were around the same age and, and, one of the guys who actually ended up being, he's still one of my really good friends. He was in my wedding, like all this stuff. Um, that was actually the first time I met him. And he was like, Hey man, he's like, you should, you should come do, you should go be a missionary. You should come do YWAM. Yes. And, uh, and the girl that was there, she was Norwegian. I was like, Whoa, like what's your, where's your accent from? She's like, Oh, it's from Norway. And I was like, Oh, cool. And, and so then she came in another time and she was like, you should do our, DTS discipleship training school. For those who don't know, that's what it means. DTS discipleship training school. It's the, it's the base level entry level thing you do in YWAM. It's six months, five to six months long. So it's two, it's three months of lecture phase at whatever YWAM base you're at. And then two to three months of outreach in a foreign country. And so it, we have a base here in Salem, Oregon. And, and they were like, and I just couldn't escape it. Yeah. And then I and went you to hadn't a... heard about it before. Well, I had known okay. of YWAM, but I didn't know. I didn't really know what a DTS what... was. Yeah. I didn't know. It. I didn't even know. I just knew that they did missionary work. So, uh, yeah. It, so I would pray and the Lord was like, I want you to do, I want you to go to YWAM. And I had no idea what it was. So I'd like call them. I'm like, yeah, I'm, Lord told me I'm supposed to do YWAM. You know, I didn't even know what to say. I was just like, what do you guys even do? You know? <laughs> That's so, awesome. yeah, They're like, and, dude, I think you got the wrong yeah, place. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, and that's so, awesome. Well, and then I went to a friend's, uh, like I get together for someone who was going away to college or something. I can't remember going to do something. And then in walks this girl again, her name is Ruthie. Shout out to Ruthie. Uh, Aww. still friends. Um, yep, and, that's uh, awesome. yeah. Um, she, she walks in again and I'm like, Hey, I'm supposed to do YWAM. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, awesome. Here's a number to this uh, guy named Troy. He's the leader of this school and it starts really soon. You should come. And it was like, I think at that point it was, this was right before Christmas. So it was going to be like two uh, starting in like three weeks. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. You know, cause again, in my family, they don't take big risks. Like yeah. That. You need to like plan it out for at least maybe six months maybe a year. even maybe yeah, even, yeah. uh and, and uh or just not do it at all uh yep. <laughs> and um and so i was like oh, i don't know i don't know but again all the while i was just like there's just something about this like i feel like god is really calling me into this and i have no idea what it is the only thing i know is that god i really feel like god is on it like i feel like yeah. the, i just feel peace about it and so I remember it was the day we did this big all nighter. I was a youth, I was a youth leader at my youth group at, at, by this time. Um, and uh, we did a big all nighter for uh, New Year's Eve and my birthday's on New, uh, New Year's Eve. And so that was fun. It's sort of like a birthday bash slash all nighter. And 
Um, and so the next day we, you know, we send the kids home and I go home and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, I think I went to sleep and then I, I slept for a couple hours and I woke up and I was just like, man, I just feel like, what does it all mean? You know, like you have those like existential <laughs> moments. Where you're yes. Just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I just, yes. like, is this a simulation I, or yeah, really? Yes. Right. Yeah. And, well, and I just, I think because there was a part of me that was like, because of the culture of my family that I was raised in, there was a whole, like the, the school by this point started in a week, I think. And, and I was like, I just don't, I just felt so uncomfortable about going and doing something that spontaneous. So I felt a pull towards that, but then like my flesh was like, no, like just like hang yeah. out, just be comfortable. You have roommates and you don't want to disappoint them because they may have to move out and all this yes. stuff. Yes. And I, oh man. Okay. I do feel like there's something on that because I think yeah. so many people are there in their lives. Like currently listeners right now, even who are like, yeah, God's calling me. I know God's calling me, but then, and it, what you're explaining is even logical. It seems logical and natural. You're like, yeah, X, Y, and Z might happen. And that might actually really suck for people, but yeah. God, like, but God. So I think that is just like real and we don't talk about that in our stories of how we get where we are, but Mm -hmm. there are those moments and I wish people talked about them more of like, yeah, I have these doubts and Mm -hmm. I probably, it wasn't the best for everyone, but it was what God required of you at that time. Right. Right. Well, and I remember talking to Troy, so I was sitting there having this thought, these thoughts of just like, man, God, like all this amazing stuff is happening you you and me, but I just feel like there's more. I feel like you're calling me to more, but I'm afraid and I'm uncomfortable and all those things. And then Troy, the guy that I got the number from, uh, Ruthie, she gave it to me and he calls me and we're talking and there's something he said to me that has stuck with me for the rest of my life. And he said, you know, because I explained everything that I just said to you to him. And he goes, when Jesus called his disciples, did he say, hey, I know you're really busy and you get a lot going on. So why don't you take a couple of months, get your affairs to order. And I'm going to be staying down the road at this little, this small town. So whenever you're ready, why don't you come find me? And then we'll go whenever you're ready. And he said, did he say that? And I said, no. And he said, no, what he said is come and follow me. What do they do? And I said, they dropped their nets and they followed him. Yep. And he said, okay. Oh, man. And I was like, oh. Okay, here it goes. You know, it's like, like thanks oh, a lot, Troy. All right, God. You know, and so honestly, it was just like, yeah, man. I can't tell you though. Like, I came alive. Like, like obviously, like when I said yes to Jesus, yeah. But there are moments in our life where we kind of cross these thresholds into more that God has for us, and the ultimate goal is God expanding the walls of our tent you know, as we're obedient, as we're good stewards, however long they could take, it could take a year. It could take 10 years. It could take 30 years, but being a good steward with wherever you are at being obedient to him, pressing in, grabbing a hold of whatever's at your disposal in that area, you have everything you need. Like that's the, th- that's kind of the lie is like, or the misconception is like, Oh, well, this door is going to open and maybe I'm supposed to start this organization or I'm supposed to you know, start this podcast or do this other thing. 
I, what I need is those things, but it's a desire that God has put on your heart. And if God has put that in your heart, you have everything you need around you. Come you just got to MacGyver yeah. that, you know, you just got to MacGyver it up. You no, know, use whatever you have and implement it into training yourself up um, to, to do, uh, you know, whatever it is. It's like, maybe God's like, really like get someone to be like, you're going to be a CEO of this mega corporation. And you're like, awesome. And he's like, I want you to go be a janitor. And you're like, that's <laughs> not God because he said yes. I was going to be CEO, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so that for me, that has been my life has been God's like big vision, multiple confirmations from a bunch of people that don't know that you and I had this conversation. Now I want you to do this thing. That's completely unrelated in your mind. Uh, yeah. And, and so for me, it was like, that's been my life, but definitely was that way with, with this. And when I got into missions, it was just like, oh my gosh, this is it, man. Like, this is what I was looking for. You were like lit, lit like God just like oh, lit the match and you were totally you were on fire. Yeah. Can I ask you, so this is something that as you were talking, I was just thinking about, do you think there, what's the difference between stewarding what you have and obedience to God. Is there a difference? That is a really good question. I, I don't, I'm going to think I'm an outward process. Yeah. 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 No, that's fine. Because I, as you talk, it it kind of sounded like two separate things. And so, yeah, I would say if God has led you into something and let's say for the sake of the argument, wherever we are at, we have been led to this place by the Lord. So long as we've been following him, obviously if someone's in like real dire straits and they know it was their fault, that's a different thing. But let's say for the sake of the argument, you've got yourself into a place where God said, go, go move to this place or uh, go start working at this place. An opportunity comes up and you go there and then you're like, man, this is not the way that I thought it was. But there are things around us that we need to steward. Okay. So I'll even use what I do now, you know, the show that I'm in, I like, I know, and everybody else there knows I will not be there forever. Okay. It's just the, an inevitability when you're following the Lord. Okay. There are desires. There are things that God has placed in me. It's not my job to force a door open. It's my job to be a good steward in the arena that I'm in, whatever it is I have, whatever field, whatever field I've been presented with, I need to tend that field. And I need, I have everything I need to make that flourish, knowing full well that God is the author of life. And he's the one that's going to water this thing and cause it to flourish. I just need to do everything else, plant those seeds, you know, get all those things, you know, facilitate the ground, get the weeds out, you know, get rid of the bugs, all those things. You know, I have those, those tools at my disposal. So that's being a good steward, but it was an act of obedience to move into that place. So it's also an act of obedience to steward whatever God has placed in front of you because he led you to that place to be a good steward of that place. Okay. So I would say, yes. Yeah. They're the same, you know, or they're one in the, they, they're hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you get into YWAM. It literally just changes your life. Yeah. Is this okay? So you had mentioned you had started having crazy experiences with God. Is this the point that that had happened or did that? No, like that I, it was, already, it was okay. before, like I had been like, I I had started seeing demons. I had started seeing like all this different stuff. And I was like, in, in experiencing the power of the name of Jesus, you know, I would say within the first 
not even the first year, the first couple of months of being a Christian. Yeah. You know, it's funny because there are people that I've talked to. They're like, oh, I, I don't see demons at all. Or I don't see angels at all. Or people, the people I'm very jealous of are the people that are like, oh, the first thing I ever saw was angels. And I'm like, man, I wish I saw <laughs> I angels wish. first. I think so you know? many of us feel that way who do see. Yeah. I. Yeah. Did you see as a, and when you were younger, like, even if you weren't like knowing what was kind of what you were seeing, did you? No. So I would okay. say it was, I I was a Christian at this point, Okay. a baby, baby Christian. But I remember, I, I'll be honest, the first time I saw a demon, it terrified oh, me. Oh, I cannot. Like, yeah. Well, because like for me, I realized I had to learn how I respond in spiritual environments. Like I get, I, I feel it in my body. And, and so, and I will often like tear up, whether it's a good or a bad thing. And I remember just like all the, I was like, like all the breath like left. And I was like, I mean, my whole body was like, just filled with like terror to be completely honest. And cause I just didn't, I, it was my first experience with something like that. And, and so, yeah, so I was seeing all kinds of stuff. And then I think also too, just, I was never taught how to hear God's voice and how he speaks in different ways. And so for me, that was just an, an unique concept because going into YWAM, their slogan is to know God and make him known. So the first week of your three month lecture phase is all about hearing the voice of God. That's what it is. And they bring in different, different people and they talk about how God speaks. And I was so stoked to hear them talking about it. These different speakers and being like, dude, that's what I was experiencing. Like God would, I would just like know things. And like, God would like, tell me things about people. And then like the first time, first time I ever, the first time I ever heard God say, like, just like, I just felt this strong desire just like from the Lord of like, when you, I was being driven home by my friend and, and I just heard him say, when you get home, I want you to go and read the first chapter of Jeremiah. And I was like, I've never even read Jeremiah. I've been like hanging out in the gospels. I was like a couple of months old Christian, <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't even, is Jeremiah in the Bible? Yeah, like, who, you know, is, who is that? Yeah. yeah. And so it was crazy because I've often said that God shows me, has taught me my giftings through my misuse of those giftings, mm -hmm. uh, which keeps you humble. That's definitely. real. And yeah. I remember I was reading in Jeremiah and there's a specific verse where he says, I've called you to tear down and to destroy. And there's a couple other verses. And then he says, and to build and to plant. And he goes, Jeff, you've been doing a great job at tearing down and destroying not so good at building and planting. And I was like, Oh man, I've been tearing people down my words. Haven't I, you know? So, so that was like a cool thing. So anyways, having all those types of experiences, encounters, and um, just, you know, wild Holy spirit filled moments of just like, Whoa, uh, experiencing uh, first healing I ever experienced was, was my brother praying over me before we went to that Mexico trip. That was the first time I, I started feeling like really achy, like really achy. And I was just like, man, I'm feeling, I don't know if I can go. And he's like, no, he's like, you're going. He's like, I'm praying for yes. you. And he's like, in the name of Jesus. And it was just like crazy. Cause it was like, it felt like from my fingertips to my toes, it all got sucked out of, from my chest. I felt everything just, and I was like, dude, just I just happened? got healed, bro. Like, and he's like, dude, no way. You know, like, and so, yeah, it was like, it was amazing. So that, yeah, like things like that would happen, you know, so this wasn't necessarily out of the ordinary in terms of God speaking to me, but in terms of out of the ordinary, yeah, breaking the culture of my family, 
and going and doing something way out of the comfort zone. Like when you're a missionary in any capacity, short-term, long-term, it makes, it starts to reveal people around you. Like they get like really uncomfortable around you. So people would like talk about me behind my back. And I think it's just like a lifestyle that it's a lifestyle that really generates that in people. Um, Whenever you're being, bold before the Lord. It could be, um, in any capacity, um, whether it's, you know, working in any kind of like social justice thing, or it could be whatever. I've totally experienced it. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. People get intimidated or like yeah. subconscious and, or it's um, like, it's almost like I talked with this with another guest and it was really interesting conversation, but it was kind of, it's kind of like the idea of like, Oh, good for you that you're doing this work. Like right. that, like, Oh man, like, I wish I was as brave as you like, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, but, but there's a lot of other responses, but that's the one that I can relate to the most is like, yeah. how do you do this work? Yeah. Well, know? okay. And, 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 and that's a real thing too, but yeah. 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 Well, and there's right another there. detail that I totally forgot. So in between being saved in 2004 and going to YOM in 2007, January of 2007, there was a time in between where we went down to another mission trip down to the dream center down in LA. So if people don't know who that, that is like, takes place like a whole city block as I mean, it's a massive, massive infrastructure of uh, just being involved in different uh, efforts around town evangelism, but also uh you know, helping low-income people, uh, cleaning up stuff. There's a lot of different stuff they do. And we went down there and our our guide was this Aussie dude. He's from Australia. And, and he, you know, my youth pastor's in the passenger seat. He's driving and he's talking to them about like, and my, my youth pastor's like, whoa. He's like, well, why are you here? He's like, well, I was on a mission trip. And then the Lord told me to come here. So I, I came here and I didn't look back and my youth pastor's like, whoa, you didn't even go home. He's like, nope. And I remember like what we're talking about, just talking about being convicted by that level of obedience and being radical and, and following the Lord. I was so intimidated. I was just like, oh my gosh, like this guy's the real deal. He is, like, yes. He's I next feel level. so like not, I was like, <laughs> who does that? Yes. You know, you know, and, uh, and I was like, I should do that, but I'm too afraid to do that. Yes. Yes, it yes. never left me though. I, it just burned in my brain and, and the Lord used that to really like uh, yet another thing to kind of propel me into this. And so one of these days I'll meet that Aussie dude in heaven and be like, dude, God used you in a huge way. That's yeah, awesome. So, so yeah, I'll kind of fast forward through YWAM though, it, just cause we have a lot of stuff to talk Sorry. about. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. I am, no, it's, it's all good. Yeah. But you know, we, I did a lot of amazing stuff. Um, had a lot of amazing experiences in different countries, went to Thailand a couple of times, China, Germany, India, uh, um, and wow. uh, yeah. And and so I remember we I was in Thailand the last time I was in Thailand. So this is 2009, uh, too long ago. I, should, I really, my wife and I both really want to go back. Um, I remember we did this thing called the MST Project. And so what it is, it's based in Bangkok, Thailand, and it is stands for men in sex tourism. Mm -hmm. uh, and their whole thing is going and raising, raising awareness in these red light districts about sexually transmitted diseases. But also it's not just about that. It, the whole point yeah. is to open up engagement with these guys, because 
the guy, Chris Lenti, who is the head of it. I don't even know if it's still going, but at the time it was, we always a joke because Chris Lenti was like totally, totally like Tony Stark, like his whole demeanor. And I was like, have you ever seen Iron Man? He's like, why? And I was like, because you are like, that's exactly ringer. what Iron Man would like, say. <laughs> you are a dead ringer awesome. for Tony Stark. Same demeanor, quippiness, like really great guy though. Um, And anyways, and so he had really headed this up and his whole thing was, uh, he's like, there's nothing against what people are already doing in terms yeah. of anti-human trafficking. Um, and at the time, this was, you know, 2008, 2009, um, people were talking about human trafficking, but not as much as they are now. And so, um, and so his whole thing was, it's good to take, to, to go at it from the supply aspect of of rescuing these girls and these kids and and whatever he said but i want to go after the demand i actually want to look these guys in the eyes who are vilified by culture and i want to look at them with the love of jesus and i was like sign me up you know and and i know that's really hard for some people and i yeah, i don't know that there's anything wrong with that I don't no. know that there's anything wrong with being like, I have no idea how you could do that. I'm so angry. Absolutely. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. It's not for yeah. everyone. And that is okay. That's okay. Hey listeners, this is where we're going to end today's episode. Please stay tuned and come back for part two. It will be out in a few weeks and we will continue our conversation around Jeff's experience doing international anti-trafficking missions work along with talking about prophetic words that Jeff has gotten over this season. You can hear and see more of Jeff on his live stream show, Elijah Fire, which airs Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Facebook. I also encourage you to go back and listen to any episodes you may have missed. I've had the honor of speaking with some people who are doing amazing work in the realm of justice, and God is using them mightily. Until next time, be well, God bless, and talk soon.